0: Hey, welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. Great to be with you as always. Great conversation on this episode, and I just want to jump right into it because there's just, there's just a lot of goodness, so I don't want you to have to listen to me ramble on at the front side of this like I'm doing right now. I just want to get right to it. So enjoy this conversation with my new friend, pastor, author, Keith Long. I'm pretty pumped to just be on the zoom call with you. We had to reschedule a couple of times because of me, but this is one of those, you know, every once in a while, somebody says you have to have so-and-so on your podcast. And when anybody says that, I take it very seriously because you know, that means they wouldn't have said it if it didn't matter. And so we have a mutual friend, Ryan Wilkham. And since the early days of the chasing goodness podcast, I think probably back when it was still called Jesus never ran, he kept Every time I'd run into him, he's like, you know, have I ever told you about Keith Long? Have I told you about my friend, Keith? <laughs> and and so I kept, you know, hearing about you and and meaning to reach out to you and then just never did. And then we ended up going to so Brian has this thing called Beer Church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, yep. and we both went to Beer Church. And that was even though I'd heard of you, what feels like a million times before yeah, then. Man that was when like the legend became real. So (laughs) So Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Matt kept, uh, uh, Brian kept
1: dropping your name too. And um, yeah. And so when, when I saw that you were speaking, I was like, we're going, I'm going to this. I'm I'm like, I I, I gotta hear this guy. Brian's done a a great job of planting seeds. So
0: yeah, he's good at that. He's good at that. So, Keith, uh, just get every everybody up to speed. Just share a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you live. What, whatever you want to share is fine. Just okay. give us a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of view of who you are.
1: All right. So um, for those of you that know the Enneagram, that's kind of a big thing. I am an Enneagram 6. I am the loyal skeptic. And um, I've known this since seminary. Uh, I took the Enneagram at that point um and it it only really started to make sense after i started writing my first book uh where that comes from i'm a questioner i am curious uh i am constantly exploring and seeking out uh the the truth about everything um so that's kind of the the overall 40,000 foot view of of who i am uh where that has led this journey is is pretty interesting. I was uh I, I read your book, loved it, um, Matt, where you talk about being kind of the class clown and always trying to make people laugh. And um, and and that was me. Um I, that was me from about eighth grade and on. I was um always looking for a laugh and and trying to, you know, forge my identity as the funny man. Um, I was in theater and we made movies constantly. This was in the age before YouTube. Uh, thank goodness, because holy crap, I have a ton of blackmail that people could use against me.
0: <laughs> or maybe Outcare. you'd be like, if that was YouTube days, maybe you'd be famous. Maybe you'd be oh,
1: exactly. Famous. Exactly. Wildly I just wealthy. missed it. Yeah, either way. Yeah, either, yeah. It could have gone. It could have gone either way. <laughs> I, I definitely don't know that I would be a pastor uh, with some of the stuff that we did. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, some of the late language that I uh sure, utilized sure. um so yeah' expensive I, say, vocabulary
0: is what I call it just ex- exactly exactly word.
1: yeah yeah so I kind of started to come out of my shell around around eighth grade I I was you know kind of was always crazy with my friends but then I always knew like I kind of was shy um and and kind of kept to myself but then something just switched. I remember in middle school where I was just I was kind of a bigger kid and I was just kind of tired of like, Getting pushed around because of my weight, and so I just like adopted self-deprecating humor, um, and and then kind of just utilized humor and and joy, and just kind of like I don't I don't care anymore, you know, Um, and so that kind of just took me and. But I've always I was always curious about spirituality and and religion and faith, even though my upbringing, um, you know, was a small small church, uh, which is weird because I I grew up in the metro um, in, in Minneapolis. Uh, St. Paul area, Um, but uh, the church I was at was a small Methodist church, uh, and I, you know, had just a few kids in my confirmation class, Um, but I really latched onto those adults and my pastor and just peppering them with questions constantly about the Bible and Jesus and God and the universe and all that, Um, and so as a pastor now, I'm sure I was like their favorite because
0: you love those kids um, that are constantly asking you questions. Um so yeah kind of just the, um, what what was the cuz there's you know there's some kids that are interested in spirituality and faith and you know I was one of those kids as well but what was the moment in your life like did from that point, did you want to be a pastor like immediately or was that something, you know, how did you get to that point? Because being a pastor is no, it's no joke. That's a big commitment. And yeah. So what what no. got you to that space of thinking that this is a good I
1: definitely down. did not want to be a pastor. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to play for the Oakland Raiders. Um, mm. You know, I wanted to be a football star. Um, and then as I got into high school, I, I really got into acting and, um, you know, making movies, so directing and writing and that kind of stuff. So those were, I kind of had my, 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 you know, eyes on on the prize of something like in Hollywood. Um, and so, but I kind of just, I floated between groups. I didn't really, didn't really have like a set place. And so by the time I got to college and decided to major in film, um you know and and that was a blast uh, but then you know all my friends and room there everyone was partying and um and i and I just I wasn't really into the party scene, um, I just loved making my own joy uh and and my own humor and that kind of thing, and so I didn't really have a place, and I wanted a place, and uh I kept getting hit up by this this guy uh. You know, who lived on my floor uh, in college about going to this Bible study? and And so that kind of then triggered the the curiosity about, you know the Bible and God and what that was. And of course, I'm also hearing from my other friends, like oh, the Christians and blah, blah blah. Um, but, you know, something just kind of you know, was awakened where I was like, well, this might be a group that that I could, you know, fit in with. And so then I started going to Bible studies and eating free pizza and, you know, of course, mm-hmm. you know, free food and, um, you know, and meeting, you know, cool people and just having good conversation. And it was all very foreign to me because that was not, I mean, the evangelical scene was not what I grew up with. And so, mm-hmm. um, I didn't, I wasn't really sure how to orient myself
0: within that crowd, but, um, my friends yeah, we, cool, we, have so. we, we have that, we have that. And it's funny. Like we almost <laughs> have the exact same story. You You grew up in a pretty traditional setting as did I, I got to college. Somebody invited me to a Bible study, (laughs) same somebody on my floor. I had no idea what this evangelical thing was. When I showed up, I didn't quite know how to fit into it. I know there was language. There was things going on that I just didn't, like I, it was like this weird little subculture that I was like I think I want to totally. be a part of this but yeah. I'm not quite sure how and so you know for me it was like the the my saving grace was that I was a musician and so there's kind of like this easy way in you know where it's like sure. oh yeah we need you yeah. Um, yeah, we because need a guitar player <laughs> yeah I didn't know I didn't quite know what to do with it all and I you know, I don't know if you did this, but I walked into it kind of, and I kept it all a little bit at arm's length. Like I was really interested mm-hmm. in what we were doing, what we we're even went to some retreats and things like that. But there was definitely like some level of it that I I wouldn't like go all the way in. You know, For I sure. kind of I felt like I at least in those college ministry places I stayed on the the periphery. Which which from some of my friends who did get way into the college ministry stuff sounds like yeah. maybe that was a wise choice, but right. still like a great thing. Like I met some really cool friends there and uh, really good people. I like you was not big into the party scene in college. So it is, it is a little bit of like trying to find that group of people you're going to land with.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and it's, it's weird. So it's like, well, I, I fit, but I didn't fit. Like I remember going to Panama City Beach with Campus Crusade for Christ and during spring break. And like, you know, we went around in, in pairs and like you'd talk to these spring break partiers and you're having this great conversation with them. And I'm like just ready to just continue the conversation. And all of a sudden the guy to my right just like, you know, so what do you think about Jesus? And then they start like going into the, the, the pitch and I'm just like so uncomfortable because yeah. it's like. We were just talking about something totally different than that and now now it's like we have an agenda and
0: I did and that with people did. in I did that with people in your city I got taken up to like downtown Minneapolis on a <laughs> saturday night <laughs> it's the same thing it's like i cannot wait to get back in the car and go home. exactly but i mean all of just so you know all of minneapolis is saved probably because of me because well, of oh good of, that's yeah, great i'm glad to hear yeah, so you're welcome <laughs> yeah
1: so yeah so that was kind of what got me in so I, I so i was in that crowd and then and then another um floor mate thought i would be good for bible camp Um, And and it was a Lutheran Bible camp where he worked in the summers. And I, you know, again, I was just flying by the seat of my pants. Like I didn't have anything lined up. I mean, my major was film, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I made movies, you know, like I, I didn't have internships or anything like that lined up. So about my sophomore year. Um uh this guy was like you should, you'd be great at you'd be a great Bible camp counselor. Um and so I was like yeah that sounds great you know and so I interviewed there and and got the job working at a a Bible camp in central Minnesota uh with ele- elementary age kids. Um so then I just my my inner goof just totally took off that summer and and then got with other inner goofs and we all had a blast and lifelong friendships were formed. And, mm. um, and then that's kind of what got the ball rolling for ministry was, Oh, I'm really good at this and I love this. And, you know, I feel alive and, and all that. And so then, uh, you know, you start meeting people, having conversations, met my, my wife at that camp who was a lifelong Lutheran. Uh, and so then that kind of just. Again, then then it's like you'd only you don't hear it so many times where people are like, "You should be a pastor. You should be a pastor," you, you know. And i am always like, "Nah, nah, I'm not doing that." Um, but then eventually, it was like, "Well, I think I might, I might do that."
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So, how long have you been a pastor for? Then
1: I've been ordained uh, for ten years. Okay. 2012 August 2012 I was ordained. I've been in ministry informally since camp probably uh around around 2000. So Okay.
0: And you're um, a senior pastor
1: currently? I'm currently a senior pastor and what that means is that um I, I oversee staff uh and the congregation. Um I'm technically the only pastor here, um but we we do have um she's she's in seminary is my kind of my uh, my right hand, uh, and so she, you know, I oversee her, and then we have an administrator. So I mean, it's. Yeah. I usually just tell people I'm a pastor. Um, yeah, but yeah. you know, technically I'm a senior pastor. Yeah. yeah.
0: If I was you, I'd say I'm the pastor. That's I am the pastor. The <laughs> pastor, the one. Only. <laughs> All right. So my understanding from my own experience, also just uh, uh, experience with other pastors, um, you know, I'm not an ordained pastor, although I was in some of those spaces during life. Uh, there's this, um, and tell me if you have experienced this, but I know when I was in those spaces, there's this extreme pressure to feel as if you have to have the right answers or just have some answers, whether that, you know, I spent a lot of time in coffee shops with people and meetings with people, just you know, trying to field question after question, after question, after question, when you get up there and preach on a Sunday morning, which I've done a lot of, uh, there's this expectation that you're going to bring about, you know, I guess uh, the easiest way to put it for the longest time, I felt like I had to give people a sense of certainty about God. Mm -hmm. Have you carried that same kind of weight that I experienced? Yeah.
1: And, and I mean, as a, as a Lutheran, so I'm part of a, a Protestant Um, you know, Lutheranism, this is, uh, and, and the ordained, you know, track that I've taken, uh, it's four years of seminary, uh, three years of coursework where you're taking, you know, theology and history of the church and, uh, the languages. So, you know, we had to, we had to take, uh, Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament's written in, and Greek, which is what the New Testament's written in. We had to, you know, learn that language, those languages and, you know, so yeah, I definitely you, you get done and you, you have all this you know all, all this you know information and knowledge uh and and so yeah you are seen as as an authority figure uh that will have the answer. Uh and, and I tell you the people are not used to hearing pastors say I don't know. That's a good question. Like, <laughs> you know, they're 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 expecting people to be uh, pastors to 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 yeah, to put them set them straight, especially, you know, uh the boomer generation, uh they really expect their pastors to know um everything there is to know about uh scripture, about, you know, God, uh and uh and so yeah, you you go you step into that and have that. It's, I mean, I don't know. I guess it could be a burden. Um, it's it's a privilege, definitely. It feels like an honor. Uh, but I especially started to really feel the effects of that. What you're talking about, where that certainty, you know, they're they're expecting pastors to be like the super Christians. You know, the the mm-hmm. superhero wearing a cape. You've got it all figured out. Uh, don't you dare start to question this because if if the superhero is having a problem, you know, what does that mean for everybody else? You know, they they view. They view this in kind of a hierarchy type of type of way. And so, you know, I just turn so many heads among confirmation kids and adult Bible studies where I just be like, I have no idea, you know, like, I I don't I don't know that either. Um, Let's wrestle with that uncertainty and that, you know, that mystery a little bit. Uh, rather than just throwing a doctrine in their face and being like there that's what it is you know
0: yeah it's a, it's an inter- you can look at it several different ways you know it's interesting because in some you know in some fields like i was in music so there's there's some elements of certainty that we have in regard to music or rhythm or notes and you know timbres and things like that just like in faith like there's some you talk about like church history like there's some elements of certainty that you know Mm -hmm. and that's good but then you get to a certain place and i think now i think in the realm of like somebody who maybe studies science or something like that you know when you're a scientist and you have doubts that leads to you know realizing new potential you know realities it's it's almost looked at as as a good thing in faith circles unfortunately it feels like those same kind of thoughts are, you know, they come across to many people as offensive because it's almost mm-hmm. like you're, you're, you're coming against something that I, I thought I knew to be true. So if you question that, you know, there's definitely a group of people that could be uh, offended by that. But I, like you have always saw that, you know, the exact opposite of feeling like, okay, if I'm doubting, or if I'm wondering, and if, or if I don't understand something in the Bible or, or whatever, yeah. um, or about prayer or about worship, but you know, what you could take any subject, that just leads to really hopefully healthy conversations to yeah. having a broader perspective of who God could be, maybe. So what Absolutely. did you when you started asking? Because your first book is called Doubting Faithfully. And so I'm guessing that most people <laughs> I'm I'm just throwing out a gander here that most people don't want <laughs> their pastor to write a book about doubting faithfully. And mm-hmm. so So tell me a little bit about how you just started that journey, because I think from, a you know, and I love that you're still in pastoral ministry for however long that may or may not be. That's, you know, uh, it's still good to see people in those spaces to, you know, because you can change from the inside or you can change from the outside. And I think sometimes the most effective thing to do is to help people wrestle from the inside because, you know, one of the dangers that we're seeing I don't want to call it a danger. One of the unfortunate things that we're seeing is a lot of people that have just left church and then they're, but most of those people that I've run into are missing it. Like they miss gathering together and talking about God where I wish that a lot of those people would have had a pastor or a leader who encouraged them to doubt faithfully and to stay in there. Because I think that, could have potentially had a better result i don't know everybody's stories yeah tell me how you started uh just kind of slowly tapping into that that right
1: well people like you and me we like to pull on the thread and then we keep pulling on it and pulling on it and pulling on it and we enjoy the adventure of where that loose thread is leading you know and we adapt along the way to to figuring out and as more and more of the tapestry is unwound we're just like this is awesome right like that's
0: what we're gonna make out of this
1: exactly exactly look at all this thread i've got um but (laughs) a lot of people in the church you know it's their faith is like a house of cards and and if and if you pull one uh and you know the whole thing could come down, and and if they, especially for an older you know Christian who spent their whole life you know coming into this belief system, you know that's really scary. If you suddenly knock down their tower and be like, "Well, there you go," you know. Uh, so I I'm I'm able to see and and usually intuit what kind of person I'm dealing with when I'm having you know pastoral moments. Um, but you know, it's it's a bit challenge. It's a bit challenging from from the pulpit for sure to to navigate that. But you know, what I've always told people is like, look, pastors are people too, mm-hmm. and so we are in front leading you. You know, in, in worship, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, where like you know, you've had to lead worship on days where like you know, your cat just got run over, and mm-hmm. and it's like. You, you have to figure out a way to still lead um, when you've got this stuff going on in the, in the, in the background. And so my background just started to really make a lot of noise um, a couple of years ago and, um, and just started to really having to figure out a way to, well, okay, I'm supposed to be this person out front of people. And when I'm with people in, in ordained ministry, but behind the scenes, like I've got, you know, friends that are suffering, and um, you know, people, my family members are dying, and I've got like, so all of this is kind of going on and and that's really what instigated it. and And, you know, in the book, I talk about my friend Carl. Um, and so Carl and I were just super close in high school and we were constantly making each other laugh and that was just kind of our thing. Um, but then we also had some really deep conversations and he was one of the few friends I had in high school where, you know, we would just sit, you know, and talk for hours about life and questions and, you know, um, always able to make each other laugh, but definitely being able to have serious conversations. Well, Carl, um, ended up getting ALS and uh at you know around you know 38 uh and he was just a beloved teacher uh and um uh, elementary you know school teacher and just an amazing person and and so then he and we had just started to reconnect and this disease just totally, you know, just ate him, you know? I mean, he was, it was, I don't think it was 18 months, you know, some people live for much longer with ALS, but it just, you know, but to, but he carried that with such grace and poise and humility and love. And I, I mean, it was just amazing, but he was agnostic, you know? I mean, he, he definitely had more of a, you know, agnostic, atheist, Type type bend towards religion. Um, and I, and that was hard, you know, that was hard for me, um, to, to just be like, well, you know, my religion teaches me that these people are condemned to hell. And I was just like, nope, like that's bullshit. Like I, I just, I will not accept that, you know, cause Carl is just the most beautiful person you know right now in this moment um and you know not perfect um but i just i just couldn't couldn't reconcile those i couldn't reconcile my religious you know beliefs with what was happening in my my personal life uh, and so that was kind of just that last straw i guess where and then when he died you know, I you know, I was with him the last week of his life. You know, I have kind of I have the the blessing of having a very flexible schedule. And so that was important to me. So he was in hospice and I was with him every day. And I was like, if anyone's gonna have the deathbed confession, you know, to convert to Christianity, you know, I would have been the guy that he would have that with and he didn't, like, you know, and um I did a commendation for him and I had to adapt the language and not use you know, any religious language, but that was important to me. And I, you know, and he, he seemed appreciative of that. Um, but then after that, it just, I, I just kind of spiritually snapped where I was just like, I can't, the, these are not, this isn't working,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, so when and, you're and going I, through that, so when you're struggling with the death of your friend and you're still expected on a Sunday morning to go you know, do pastoral duties. You're still meeting with people. You're still doing all the things you've always done. So when you say you, you, that kind of snapped or you, you know, something changed within you, like how did, how did you even manage that? Cause I can't imagine going through that kind of loss and those kinds of struggles in my mind and yet still going up there. And well, you,
1: you got to be pretty creative. I'll tell you okay. that. Um,
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: I, I just started to, I still preached, but I, I just really pumped the brakes on any sort of, you know, um, certainty, uh, on any sort of, um, assurances that, you know, um, I couldn't back up. So I just asked a lot of questions in those sermons. And I talked a lot about just kind of the historical context, which I still do to this day about where the Bible is written and kind of just looking at, you know, again, wrestling with the text, um, and and I would only say things that I believed, you know, which at that point was dwindling. And so I, again, had to kind of be creative about how do I lead this? Because it, it's really important to me to be authentic. So could I have gotten up there and just totally just, you know, said the lines and faked it? Yeah, I could have. And I'm sure that there's a lot of pastors out there that do that. Um, but I just, that's not me, you know. And so I had to be authentic, but you know, I had to exist in these two realms. And so, yeah, it was, but like I, you know, started to, when whenever we'd have to stand up and say the Apostles' Creed, I would say, uh, let us confess the Christian faith in the words of the ancient apostles, you know? Um, and so kind of just prefacing, like, we're going to say this, um, but these aren't our words. This is some words that were written a long time ago, uh, and so, you know, when I do funerals, let's confess, you know, the Christian faith. Um, and then I would say the name of the deceased person, you know, and this was their faith, you know, so we're going to say that. And so, you know, I just try to find ways to, you know, uh, work,
0: work around the system. Um, It's kind of a way, you know, I mean, we could, you know, you are working around the system, but at the same time, like you're, you're honoring both yourself and the people that you know, you're entrusted to, right. You're honoring yes. the congregants, you're honoring the people that you're pastoring because you're not, you know, just there's some reality that we have to deal with just because we're going through something doesn't mean that we drag everybody through every little detail of it. Right. That's why, you know, even yeah. Jesus kind of has that model of like, you got a, you got your tight crew, you got your, you know, your next level out and then you've got everybody else. And so right. it's, it's helpful for people, I think to watch a pastor doubt or struggle, but at the same time, I don't know that it's helpful to, you know, see a total collapse in front of them all the time because well, no, they have and some ramifications as well. So it is a tricky space you were in.
1: Very tricky. But I, you know, I'll tell you, it really made me focus on what I think the the main the main point is, which is love. Mm-hmm. And and I really it 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 made me say, you know what, this isn't about being right. This isn't about being wrong. Uh, this isn't about being certain. This is about for me, you know, this is about Jesus and this is about what he came to do. And I believe that's to love people, um, and to stand up for, you know, the people that were kind of on the margins and to kind of just, you know, the main thing, the main thing, you know? And so for me, and I kind of talk about this in the book, like at that point, I didn't need somebody to tell me that God loved me, you know? Um, in order for me to function you know i experienced love from my family members and my friends and you know i had love for myself and to me that was just you know enough uh where i just got so tired of hearing you know the and the other layer of this was that i was in a really difficult church at the time where the leaders i was serving with were being assholes to me and um and i and i had to sit and listen you know, uh, to hearing how much God loved me and and from their mouths and just being like, yeah, but you're not really being super loving to me. Um, you know, I'm getting more love from my friend, Carl, who's an agnostic than I'm from you, you know? And so that part wasn't jibing at the time either. And so that was where I was just like, you know, that this really doesn't make any sense. And and there, there has to be a different way to, to go about this uh than than the current way where we're just we just say God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, so we don't have to. We can just treat you like shit. And, you know, um, but God loves you, so that's fine. Uh and so that part was just, you know, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, like I don't no, we're not doing that.
0: <laughs> so at what point in the story, at what point does the the book doubting faithfully hit the hit the press at what point does that come out into reality
1: so that comes out i find i start writing that uh after carl dies then while i'm writing it um i'm still in this toxic situation and kind of just using the writing to just get me through it then my dad dies Mm -hmm. um and that was where i was like okay like i'm definitely getting this book out there Um, cause it had just kind of been like, you know, something I was just journaling and wasn't really thinking, but when that happened, it was like, you know what life is short, do what you want to do. I've always wanted to publish a book. I'm publishing this thing, you know? Uh, so this came out in 2020, uh, after I'd gotten into, I'd been in my new call, uh, for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's self-published. I don't really promote it. So it's like, It's there, but I don't think many people know it's there. So it's kind of just spreading word of mouth. If people didn't like it from my congregation, I don't hear anything. Oh, okay. okay. Um. But the people who liked it, I definitely hear from. I love uh, but mostly, I was really w- worried that I was I was gonna lose my job because everyone was gonna read it and be like, "Who is this guy as our pastor?" Mm-hmm. Um, but Lutherans are pretty tight lipped when they don't like something. <laughs> <laughs> that's so
0: true. Uh, so they worked in your favor, and then it worked then in my a, favor. Yeah. Then you got on a roll because Doubting Faithfully comes out shortly that thereafter. Between the Trees yep. comes out, and that's reflected. On life and death, and the Garden of Eden. I'm guessing that is all weaved in with your father's death, with your friend's death, all of those kinds of things. And then we come up with uh, the most recent work, which is growing spirit wide wise, which is a heretics guide to the resurrection and eternal life. So you know, I love I love these books because you're not going to pick it up and be like, Oh, I wonder what's that? What that's about? (laughs) (laughs) It's like you know what you're getting into. Um, Love titles, yeah, which is pretty (laughs) awesome. So just share a little bit about, I mean, growing spirit wise, you talk, it's a heretics guide. So there's a pastor writing a book saying that this is a heretics guide to resurrection and eternal life. So number one, what's your definition of a heretic? And then number two, um, you know, what was the the intention of that book of the growing spirit wise? So. Yeah, so I, I got kind of uh, all right.
1: Yeah, so the story definitely picks up with with book three. Um, I remember publishing Doubting Faithfully, being a little nervous, but kind of ex- really excited. You know, Between the Trees, that's more of like my memoir. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know qu- questions about death. Uh, but when I published Growing Spirit Wise, I was like, shit's about to hit the fan with this one. Um <laughs> they did I, I catch knew... it
0: the first two. <laughs> this one they'll figure it out.
1: I like remember my my finger hovering over over submit, you know, and I'm like, oh man, okay, Lord, here we go.
0: Let's do this. <laughs> close your eyes and push the
1: close up. your eyes and put it out there. Oh uh, yeah. So so my definition of a heretic is anyone. um presents uh you know an objective opinion over what's generally accepted Mm -hmm. so or or a a contrary opinion to what's generally accepted so my argument just by
0: that definition we'll call jesus a raging heretic
1: exactly jesus was a raging heretic so i start the book right out of the gate just like you know not only am i a heretic but jesus was a heretic and if you've had even a shred of doubt or question about, you know, the Orthodox or the, you know, the, the uh, Roman Catholic, um, you know, doctrine, belief, then you're a heretic, too, mm. uh, because you have to, you know, be a hundred percent. It's all or nothing when it comes to Christian doctrine and the institution of the church. Uh, and so I've just totally had, you know, debunked, you know, spent these other two books kind of debunking. It's not all or nothing. Um, you know, there, there are different ways that you can you can approach and, and embrace, you know, this uh, ideology and theology. Uh, and so that's kind of where I came out with that. Uh, but then, yeah, just really wrestling again with, you know, I, I just, you know, when I started doubting, I remember being like, well, but I'll always believe in the resurrection because if I don't believe in the resurrection, then I'm definitely not a Christian. And then I'm the one who's Paul's talking about, you know, being the most pitied and I don't want that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, the further I pulled that thread, the more I was just like, but does it have to be a bodily resurrection? Um, can it be a mystical, you know, can it be something again, um, non-physical, you know, and then that kind of then, you know, brought me into this, this new realm and experimentation and the spiritual world. And, um,
0: Now you know, I I'm super interested in this conversation because this is like, this is the space that gets more, I would, I would say in my own life in what I've seen of other people's life. This seems to be the place that gets the most sticky because everybody gets to the same area and they're struggling with this and they feel like this is the thing, this is the only thing I can't get rid of. But then they start thinking about it and they're like, but I think I might want to rethink it. And then that is... that is. I know even for my own journey, like that's a little, that's, that's a little bit scary mm-hmm. and it, it definitely makes people close to you who are watching you walk through this. Like it's scary mm-hmm. for them as well. And we're going to put this podcast out really just, I think, I think when this comes out, um, cause we're recording a couple weeks early, but this will come out just shortly before Easter, before well, resurrection Sunday, And so I do think it's important to like flush this out a little bit. So when you still as a, as a Lutheran pastor, you're going to be preaching on Easter Sunday, I'm assuming. So Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you wrestle with resurrection and eternal life in the context of a person that's open and willing to doubt and rethink?
1: Well, scripture's not as clear as the institution has made us believe that it is. Um, Paul wrestles with, resurrection and and his words aren't always exactly like oh it's definitely bodily um you know there's a passage which you know uh, is one of my favorites in in the new testament from second corinthians uh where where paul is talking about you know he's he's referring to himself in the third person um but he's talking about himself having this out of body experience uh where you know and i'm i'm fairly confident it was kind of like a near-death experience and if you've heard of anyone talk about a near-death experience I think Paul has one and uh and so he's talking about you know going up into the heavens and having these spiritual conversations and you know this is a that's a mystical thing right um and so there's that passage and there's other parts where he's just kind of again i think you know as a theologian and interpreter of the bible that it's not it's not you know open and shut physical uh that there there's more much more to it so i'm i'm not just you know pulling shit out of the air and being like oh i think it's this like i'm still studying the scripture you know and i'm still finding ways where this isn't you know as clear cut as I was led to believe it was, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Paul's writing before the Gospels were written. So there's lots more time for the Gospels to assert a position, you know, um, that Paul had no idea what they were going to write about because it hadn't been written yet. Uh, So you get to the Gospels and you get a lot more of the physical, like, you know, and they're very explicit about, like no it's not it's not a spiritual thing it's a physical thing and that's where again most of the press and focus goes for people is is to the gospels uh but yeah i i think it's possible to say he is risen he is risen indeed with a mystical understanding because he's, something still happened i mean we wouldn't be here in in christianity if if um you know the if the critics about Christianity were right and that it was all just a farce and you know um none of this ever happened and Jesus didn't exist i mean we wouldn't still be talking about him if that were true um eventually people are going to get bored with it and be like well i'm not going to keep lying about this mm-hmm. um you know so i i believe that he appeared uh to, to probably mary he appeared probably to peter Uh, He appeared to Paul. um, And, you know, who knows how many others, but I just view it as it was more of a a mystical or a vision or an apparition or something along those lines, rather than he was a revived corpse. Um, And, and, um, you know, and to me, like, after I wrestled with that, I was like, Oh, like yeah, I can totally believe this and I don't feel like I'm going to, you know, burn in hell. Like I feel like this is doable. Um again, finding scripture to kind of back that up, but then also just being like using sci- science in my mind and my logic and what my heart told me, you know, like really trusting my my gut um that yeah, this this is still this is still doable um from that perspective but it is scary because that's not that's not the institution's position you know the institution's position is that it's it's a physical bodily you know thing um and so you do stick your neck
0: out when you say well I don't think it was. Um, but the cool you know, thing too about that is like is you're not even listening to you talk about it, like you're not saying it with a sense of certainty that what you're thinking is absolutely right. In the same way you're saying I don't think there's a way that the institution could say that their way is absolutely right. And all of this is theology, all of this is thought. And and yes. at the end of the day, you know, I, I wish we could be a little bit more kind to People's thought process because it leads to, you know, people having differences of opinions, if done well, can lead to the most beautiful conversations and eye-opening experiences. If we just hang out, like if you and I, Keith, just hang out together all the time, we're actually not gonna grow that much. We'll encourage each other, but we're not going to grow or expand our minds because I think we probably think so much alike. But how wonderful it is to be around people that are outside of your age group, outside of your demographic, outside of your faith tradition, because then you're you're forced to actually think about things through a completely different lens. And those are the spaces that allow you to grow. And so I'm hopeful that as this conversation continues to unfold into the, you know, into the future, that will take a little bit of that space. Cause my fear, and I'm sure you've seen this too, Keith, is that my my fear is that there'll just be a group of people that creates the next new correct theology <laughs> yeah you know, and exactly that's not, and it's not it's not, not about anymore. that it, not it's helpful. not about that
1: yeah. yeah it's about it's about having the conversation wrestling with the questions coming up with new possibilities finding ways that this could be true um you know and again not having to be like but i'm right and you're wrong right um,
0: because like even like when you're sharing that about the resurrection then like my mind goes to awesome, great thoughts. And then here's a list of questions, right? Like every answer leads to more questions when you're talking about faith. All right, jump into then the context of eternal life, because again, we're coming up on Resurrection Sunday on Easter. And most people, you know, in our tradition would say, okay, this is the time when we celebrate that Jesus not only died, but that he physically rose from the dead, which you already talked about, and that because that happened, then the gates of heaven are open to depending on who you talk to, depends on how many people those gates are open to. But so how it, do you how do yeah. you deal with that? And or how will you deal with that in a couple of weeks when you have to talk about it at your church? Well,
1: I've talked about it um, you know,
0: as as a as
1: a a consciousness, you know, that there's a collective consciousness that exists in this world and um we we are all part of that consciousness and uh you know or awareness or however you know you want to mm-hmm. you want to spin it this is very you know eastern religious yep. um you know kind of background if you're familiar with buddhism hinduism uh those kinds of religions have this kind of idea that you know we're all just we're all spirit mm-hmm. um every single one of us is spirit and you know I Constantly whenever I'm at the bed you know bedside of somebody or I do a funeral, like you know ninety percent of people talk about heaven as home hmm. uh they they refer to oh he's you know he's going home again she's 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 home hmm. um and you know uh there's that you know passage in John where he you know talks about I'm going to prepare a place for you and he uses language of like mansions and houses and things like that. Uh, you know, it's just, this is talking about this sense of, of home. Uh, and so I've really, I've really wrestled and I've really explored that out and, um, I have a totally new understanding of, of, you know, what it means to be eternal. Um, and you know, a lot of it started just through conversations about ghosts and what are ghosts and what are, you know, these entities that some people, you know, see, um, or experience, you know, if, if that's if that's legit, then what does that mean? Um, you know, like I don't understand. Uh if if it's only bodily, then how how are how are ghosts real? Uh and some people just say, you know, if flat out ghosts aren't real. Again, we go back to that all or nothing, right? So again, it's trying to get people to open up to there's a lot of things that we just don't understand uh that that a lot of people believe exists, you know, uh, and so to kind of look at it from that perspective, uh, to get them to just be curious, you know, because if you only look at it from this, you know, understanding that you die and then you rise again in your body and you go to heaven, well then, you know, like,
0: conversation over like you can't right there's nothing else it's you like can a do mathematical that. equation this is like this right right that equals that we're good to go see you later
1: i mean the lutheran position on it is that you when you die your body um goes to the ground or your ashes are committed to the ground and then nothing happens until the second coming mm-hmm. you know that's the lutheran position that that you you don't go to heaven um you're waiting for the resurrection uh and That's and you talk to less
0: sexy that is so yeah exactly sexy you talk
1: again. to most people and how often do you hear heaven mentioned when someone dies right. all the time you know and so you can say that oh they're wrong or you can say well why is that why do people always you know go to that well it's a it's a very you know plato a long time ago said you know we're our our you know our essence our spirit it rises um, and it, and it goes to heaven, and we're, you know, we're in this eternal realm. So, yeah, I'm definitely not Lutheran in what I believe about eternal life and what I believe about resurrection. um, and I'm kind of just this conglomeration of things, but I mean, I'm starting to wonder, uh, if this is truly the only life, you know, that if maybe the Hindus are onto something when it comes to reincarnation. You know, and that we could have multiple lifetimes uh, if we're truly spirit, you know, and if we're truly eternal. Um, Does it make a lot of sense for us to only have one life? Um, You know, you certainly can believe that and you can have the best possible life you ever possibly have. Or maybe your life gets cut short, you know, and it wasn't the best life. Well, maybe you're going to get another shot you know? Um, and, and so I just, there's so much value in all of these different belief systems. And so I'm kind of just, I'm wrestling with all those things and, and asking those questions, but it's just not a conversation I can have very comfortably with someone who's a very staunch, like, no, it's this way uh, mm-hmm. and this way only. Uh, but there's more and more people that are, you know, just connected to all these different types of, you know, of, of movies and podcasts and books that they're reading that, it's, it's a very open and honest and fun conversation to be like, well, what about this? And what about this? So I have preached a lot of, a lot of questions, you know, getting people, what do you think? You know, I want you to articulate, I'm not here to, you're not here to believe everything I believe Uh, you are your own person. So what is it that you believe and what's gotten you to that point, you know, and can you articulate that more? And, and, Uh, and again, kind of just look at their life from a a broad perspective. Uh, and then, okay, you're hearing this preacher and this preacher saying one thing, how does that sit with you and does it sit with you? And if it doesn't, what are you going to do about that? You know? And so I'm just really, I'm a, I, it's all about critical thinking for me when it comes to preaching these days is just, we're going to look at the past. We're going to look at where this was written the context of this. And then we're going to, you know, look at how this relates to our lives today uh, and to get people to, you know, really embrace that they are the source of more answers than they think they are. And and that's the other thing I've been struggling with as a Lutheran pastor is, you know, we do this confession forgiveness, you know, all the time. And we just tell people how much they suck and how much they need God's forgiveness because they're horrible and they're, you know, sinners. And we're constantly, you know, and you know, original sin, that concept comes up again. And uh, and again, I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like, mm, no, I think, I think we're, we're better and we're, you know, you know, there's more goodness in us, uh, than, than we've ever been told or given credit for. And, and it kind of, again, you know, beef people up, give them that message of, you know, embrace who you are. Cause you're, you're actually more awesome than, you know, you may have been told. Uh, and, again, I, main point, the main point, like that's, that's that love. Like that's that message of love that Jesus, you know, came to proclaim. So
0: and I, uh, I got yeah, going I know. there on my, on my soapbox there, but that. I mean, that that's, awesome. y- you know, yeah, it's so good. And you know, the, the other interesting thing that I think should be a part of this conversation that you just made part of this conversation too is and this is something that i've been talking a lot about isn't isn't it beautiful that people could come from different parts of the world different traditions different times when they were living and so many of us come to the same conclusion in such different ways and isn't the you know if the conclusion is love then how we got there should be a little less relevant to that we got there or that, we're, that that's how we live our life, whether that's, you know, uh, through a, a different faith tradition, whether that's through Christianity, whether that's through, you know, like your friend who, it it wasn't even a faith tradition that got him to that same place. And, and if right. love is the goal, how we got there should at some point be irrelevant in my mind. Now think as a person who's in pastoral ministry, um, I'm going to phrase this question a little bit different for you, but where do you see, where do you see hope in regard to kind of the movement of faith going forward? Oh, geez. Um,
1: Where do I see hope in the movement of faith moving forward? Um, I think I see it in conversations like this, you know, between, you know, people within uh, a faith tradition and people outside of a faith tradition. Uh, Those conversations, either podcasts or books, um, you know, films uh, that, you know, wherever I think creatives are really uh, coming into their own right now. Uh, in a way uh, similar to um, the Renaissance and you know a period where you know it's just it's starting to just, I mean, there's just so much content out there. Now, not all of it's great, but the fact is that people are feeling inspired to create stuff. And I think that's part of our eternal, you know, our eternalness uh, and and being, you, know, co-creators, uh, with, with the spirit that, you know, we just want to create, we want to put stuff out there and we want people to engage with it. And that's where I'm kind of, I'm seeing, I have hope, you know, um, and, and that I'm not the only one trying to create something and I, I don't really what it is. I, I have to quote you, Matt Kinzira. Um, you, you had this quote, I have a quote that I keep on my phone. It's a little tab, great quotes that I come across. Uh, but I love this one from your book. You said, just because we don't own a tool belt doesn't mean we can't build a house. Just because just because we can't see a way doesn't mean a way doesn't exist. Uh, the beginning lies in the decision. I love that, and I and I've just i've I've hung my hat on that because I don't really see a way uh, but I'm gonna keep creating and and you know hoping that the path kind of just fills itself in as I go as I do this because uh, I'm you know, contrary to what you might be thinking, I'm kind of the outlier uh, in in, uh, in this this Lutheran tradition, uh, but I you know, so I just see a lot of hope in in how people are finding their voice. And sharing it, and and willing to engage with others again, mostly in the creative spirit spheres, because we're also seeing this in a more toxic, negative way, you know, on uh, social you know media platforms where uh, people aren't really interested in the conversation; they just want to throw you know their thoughts out there. Um, so I'm not really that's not really it. It's more you know where people are wanting to collaborate. You know, you're bringing people onto the podcast. I mean, you could just. You know, and sometimes you've had podcasts where you're just talking, you know, uh, just yourself. But I still love that you're bringing in different voices and hearing and having those conversations. And again, there's so much there's so many great books. Uh, I, I got the sabbatical com, coming up and um, I, you know, got uh, a grant to to get books. Uh, as part of that and and I just been ordering books and I'm like it's gonna take me forever to read all these books And there's just even more of them out there uh, to, to keep going, but um, no, there's I think there's a lot of people are asking the questions I'm not the only one asking the questions people are looking for a new way um, And and especially thinking about that quote like you know, you're getting into it and You don't even have tools, you know, um, you just have your voice. You just have who you are And you're, for whatever reason, finding that this is the time to share it. Uh, And, you know, the universe is obliged because there's all sorts of different ways you can share it. I mean, I self-published these and, um, you know, you can start up a podcast for nothing. Uh, So it's pretty cool.
0: Special thanks to Keith Long for being on the show today. Wow, that's a a lot to think about. That is a lot to think about. Make sure that you pick up all three of his books. I'll put direct links in the show notes of this episode so you can go straight to them and purchase them right after you push the pause button on this podcast episode. You can find me at my website, MattKinzera.com. You can find me at MattKinzera on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast, Chasing Goodness, is also on Facebook. But more than anything, let's continue chasing goodness together.